Welcome everyone to a special thing or I almost said Thanksgiving day. St. <laughs> <laughs> Patty's Day. It's kind of got the same syllables. Uh St. Patty's Day edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I don't know why I almost said Thanksgiving, but it is St. Patrick's Day as we are recording this on Friday, March 17th. So I hope you're enjoying your St. Patrick's Day. We are joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor, uh, who is coming off a bit of a road trip to Miami and Charlotte. Uh, Cavaliers will take on the Washington Wizards tonight at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Uh, Cleveland now behind the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference as the four seed after the loss the other night. Cleveland is now seven games behind the number one seed, four games behind Philadelphia for the third seed, and two and a half games up on the New York Knicks uh, for who have the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. So, Chris, what I want to talk about today to start yep. off is, you know, the Cavaliers are going to make the playoffs. I think that's a, a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, you wrote an article about the the teams that the Cavaliers want to match up against in these in these playoffs. Um, Brooklyn comes to mind, obviously. We've talked about that before. So with, uh, let's do the math here, 66, what is it? I'm really <laughs> 10 games left for the Cavs. Okay, 10 games left. Yeah, yeah, that that's nowhere near 66. Anyway, um, 10 games left for the Cavaliers. Uh, where, where are you thinking they're going to end up in this seeding? Do you think that they're going to stay where they are? And who do you think that they do match up best against um, when they take on or when these, these playoffs start? Yeah, I mean, I think the under-talked about thing from the other night, um, Hayden, we, we had talked about on the last podcast, there was a pathway potentially for the Cavs to move up in the Eastern Conference, maybe even into third, in part because Philadelphia's got the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA and the Cavs have the easiest, and there was an opportunity with the two teams playing against each other in Cleveland the other night for the Cavs to win the season series and get the season tiebreaker. So that didn't happen the other night. And now the Cavs are four games back behind Philadelphia and they lost the tiebreaker and the 76ers have been playing really, really well against some pretty good competition on their schedule. And now looking ahead, they've got an easy game against Charlotte, right? Indiana is not a layup by any means, but you know, that's not daunting. They've got Chicago coming up. Um, they've got some winnable, quote unquote, winnable games before they get back into the meat of their schedule against Phoenix, against Denver, on the road against Golden State, you know, on the road against Milwaukee and Boston like that. Those are the games that make Philadelphia's schedule so difficult down the stretch. But if they can start banking some of these wins the way that they have in the last week, week and a half and taking the tiebreaker from the Cavs like. You never say never in the NBA. I've learned that a long time ago. But the Cavs' chances of getting the third seed felt like they ended on Wednesday night when they lost to Philadelphia. And I think a lot of people overlooked that reality. And it seems like if the Cavs, if we're going to have a conversation about the Cavs and their first round opponent, the question now to me is more likely to come down to, Okay, are they going to be the fourth seed or are they going to be the fifth seed? Because their chances of getting up to the third seed and passing Philly, I feel like are very, very minimal at this point. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the other night we could definitely go into that a little bit. I mean, the Cavs, you know, second night of a back to back. Um, they were away in Charlotte. They came back to Rocket Mortgage. 
Um, and I thought they battled really, really well, especially without, yep. um, especially without Jared Allen, who continues to nurse that eye injury. Um, you know, the one call kind of changed the the game. I mean, it was the uh, it was Embiid's sixth foul. He charged a um, Evan Mobley drew a charge, and they overturned the call after reviewing it, saying that he didn't have there wasn't enough contact, um, and that kind of changed the whole momentum of the game, and it kind of changed everything in that game. So. I thought the Cavaliers, even though they lost the game, you know, I thought they played about as pretty darn well. I wouldn't say as well as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you know, just came up short. And that, I think you're right. I think that ended any chance of them kind of eclipsing that uh, that third seed. And now the question becomes, you know, can they hold off the Knicks um, and hang on to the fourth seed and get home court advantage in the Eastern Conference? Because... You know, New York went into that three-game losing skid when they lost against Charlotte, Sacramento, and the Clippers, but they're going to get Jalen Brunson back here soon. I don't know if it's going to be for their next game against the Denver Nuggets, but they're going to get Jalen Brunson back soon. Right. And when they have Brunson, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Josh Hart, like that group in the lineup after making the trade for Josh Hart, like they are a very, very formidable opponent. Yeah. So this is a team in New York that you feel like they're not going to go anywhere here. They're really going to make the Cavs earn that fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. They're really going to make the Cavs have to earn home court advantage in the first round. And, you know, New York has some relative layups on their schedule coming down the stretch as well. Houston, Orlando. Um, Indiana twice, the Washington Wizards, who, you know, New York is better than all of those teams that I just mentioned right there. So there's an opportunity for them to really go on another surge, similar to the surge that they went on following the trade deadline. Um, And then there's that March 31st game between the Cavs and the Knicks. It's at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It's the season series up for grabs the tiebreaker between the two teams, if it comes down to that up for grabs. That is a big, big game on March 31st, Um, especially if New York does what I think it's capable of doing over the next two weeks and really putting some wins together and really putting some pressure on the Cavs. So I've said for a long time, Hayden, that I think the Cavs are going to get the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference That's the most logical outcome based on everything that I believe, everything that I've seen from the Cavs, everything that I know about their schedule and their opponents as well. But I just think New York is going to continue to keep that pressure on them down the stretch here because of how good they are, because of how good they've played with Josh Hart, and because the schedule is favorable for the Knicks. Not as favorable as it is for the Cavs, but still favorable nonetheless. Is that a playoff preview? Chris, is that a first-round playoff preview between the Cavs and the Knicks? Yeah, I mean, I think so. <laughs> the odds of Brooklyn, you know, getting back into the fifth seed and holding on to the fifth seed are very, very minimal to me. Look, the Nets are 7-11, and 11, Hayden, since they traded Kyrie Irving and then went and turned around and traded Kevin Durant as well. So they just haven't looked like a playoff team. They haven't played like a playoff team. And I think it's more likely that the Miami Heat find a way to pass Brooklyn and maybe start putting a little bit of heat on both the Knicks and the Cavs down the stretch than it is for Brooklyn to either get the fifth seed 
or hang on to the sixth seed. I just don't think they're good enough right now as currently constructed to hang on to that particular spot or rise up in the standing. So it seems like the Cavs and the Knicks are on a collision course for the first round. And the only thing that I think could potentially change that is if Miami really goes on a run here at the end of the season and either the Cavs or the Knicks, like they go the other way. But like Brooklyn to me is the team that's currently in the top six that is most likely to fall out of that mix and get passed by Miami. Um, And I think because of that, you know, we can start looking at other potential first round matchups other than Cavs nets, because I just don't think that one's all that likely to happen in, in Brooklyn's current state. Right. We look at the Cavs schedule remaining. Um, Like I said, Washington tonight, they'll play. So they have a nice little kind of, and you probably have a nice little kind of uh, (laughs) trip to New York here. So they don't play until Tuesday. So they have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off from regular season games. And then they are in New York Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to take on the Nets. And then they don't play again Friday and Saturday, and they play Sunday back home. So that's a nice little run right there. I mean, and then after after the Rockets on the on Sunday, March 26th, then you got Atlanta, and then you mentioned that that game against New York. That's a big one. Indiana, Orlando, and Charlotte. So the Cavaliers, again, they, they're – I, you, you mentioned the Cavaliers falling off. I mean, unless an injury happens, I just I, I don't I don't see it? them I don't see them falling off. I don't. I mean, they're dealing with a pretty significant injury right now when it comes to Jared Allen. Yeah. And you know, Donovan Mitchell is less than a hundred percent at this point with that finger yeah. issue that he's still yeah. dealing with. Like it is to a point I'm told where Donovan is wrapping it and taping it for everything that he does throughout the course of the day, except for sleep, because that's the only way to keep his finger straight. Because if he didn't have a wrap and tape on it, it would flop down. That's how messed up it is. Yeah. So again, I'm not saying that that's going to prevent him from playing, but I think the Cavs have to be cognizant of that. They might have to manage that a little bit down the stretch as well. And they're not the picture of health that maybe you would want them to be coming down the stretch, especially when it comes to an eye injury for Jarrett right now. Now, is it, is, is it to a point where that's going to make the Cavs go on like a four or five game losing skid? Probably not, especially based on the schedule that they're facing, but you know, they're a different team when they don't have Jarrett out at both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. Oh, we've certainly talked about that. I mean, we know that that they (laughs) are, they're definitely different without Jared Allen. Like I said yeah. the other night against, I mean, I, I give Evan Mobley a lot of credit for the way he played against Joel Embiid, but, right. you know, I think Jared Allen really would have helped in that situation um, sure. given that. But, yeah, I, I, again, I still, you're right. Yes, they have some injuries they're dealing with. But maybe, Chris, I mean, again, if they lock up, if they pretty much, you know, maybe that game after New York, maybe they can have some time there to yeah. maybe rest a, guy like, to, to rest a guy like Donovan Mitchell or, yeah. you know, allow some of these guys to get some much-needed rest. I mean, you know, that series against Orlando for, for a whole week, they play Indiana and then they play Orlando twice, have some right. days off in between there. And then they play Charlotte at home to end the right. season at one o'clock. So yeah. there seems to be an opportunity to maybe, you know, to maybe gear up for the postseason, get these guys a little bit of rest. They are 100% in control based yeah. on the schedule that they have. And, and yes. this is the thing 
you know, privately, people inside the organization always look at a schedule, whether they admit it or not, and they map things out and they start to say to themselves, like, hey, where's the opportunity for this? Where's the opportunity for that? The Cavs knew, Hayden, that they just had to get through like the hellish January that they had. And down the stretch, they were going to get some breaks and they've Mm -hmm. gotten some. I mean, look at this schedule. The other thing that the Cavs have on their side, think about this, Hayden. They have played 72 games to this point, so they only have 10 left. That means their schedule is more spaced out. Philadelphia, by the way, has played 68 games to this point. Four fewer than the Cavs. Think about that. So their, their schedule is a lot more compact. There are a lot more um, opportunities for them to slip up and maybe um, get worn down a little bit physically going down the stretch, including like a mini West Coast road trip that they have coming up here to end the season as well. So that's something that really benefits the Cavs, even though their guys are high minute guys, even though they're not the picture of health right now, even though they have some guys dealing with some things like the spaced out nature of their schedule compared to some of these other teams in the Eastern Conference, like that gives them a little bit of a chance to be um, in better shape physically and mentally uh, going into the postseason where they don't have to, you know, run themselves into the ground just to to hold off New York or something like that for the fourth seed. Yeah, you mentioned it. Philadelphia has only played 68 games. The Cavaliers played 71 games. So, 72. Uh, or 72 games, sorry. So um, four games, that's four extra games kind of that right. the Philadelphia 76ers are going to have to fit in, which is crazy. But And like you know, Milwaukee has played 70, so that's mm-hmm. fewer than the Cavs. Boston has played 70, that's fewer than the Cavs. Yep. Um, you know, Brooklyn has played 70, that's fewer than the Cavs. The Hawks have played 69, that's fewer than the Cavs. So, like, of all the teams in the Eastern Conference, the Cavs have the most spaced out schedule the rest of the way, where there's some days off for guys to rest their legs or recover extra long from injuries, things along those lines. I want to mention last night, or the other night, Karis LeVert was was talking about how he's kind of more locked in. Um... Played really well against the Sixers the other night. Um, says he has playoff experience and says he's ready to kind of take it to the next level. They're going to need efforts like the effort that they got the other night against uh, the 76ers. They're going to need guys like Jetty Osman to step up. They're going to need guys like yeah. Karis LeVert to step up. Um, what did you make? What do you make of Karis LeVert as the Cavs kind of enter this postseason? I mean, you know, yes, this is a guard-heavy team that relies a lot on D- Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, who um, were 2 of 14. Uh, from three last game, which is yeah. probably not going to win you a lot of games. Probably not. But, but Karis LeVert was 8-14, 5-10, 3-point. I mean, that's what they're going to need going forward, is it not? This is a podcast, so people can't see what I'm doing. But right now, I've got my palms raised to the sky, and I'm kind of doing, like, the Jordan shrug. <laughs> How is anybody supposed to know what to expect from Karis, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> his style... um the way that they have to use him based on this roster composition, I'll put it this way. The way that they have to use him based on this roster composition is not what's best for Karras. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't put right. him in the best situation to be most comfortable. 
to be um, most confident. In saying that, like, I give him a lot of credit for adapting and for him finding a way in this role that is not most suitable to him to still have a positive impact. Right. And and that's what it takes in the NBA. Like, not everybody can be Donovan Mitchell, right? Not everybody can be Darius Garland, where the offense is going to be in their hands. It's about role delineation sometimes in the NBA. It's about fitting alongside the other players. And even though Karras doesn't have the ball in his hands as much as he would like, even though he's not creating as much as he would like or what he's been used to throughout the course of his career, even though he's coming off the bench as opposed to starting, even though sometimes he's playing the two, the three, or the four, depending on what the Cavs need on that given night. Like, he has found a way to try and impact this team in a positive way. Um, He's been very good defensively. He uh, has been a better passer, I think, than sometimes people give him credit for. He plays really, really hard. Um, He takes some tough matchups on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, A lot of deflections, gets into the passing lanes, picks up guys full court. Like Those are all things that he can do to bring value, even though there are other situations where he could be in that would be better for him individually. In saying all of that, he is an erratic player by nature. I think we know that, right? So, you know, in February, he averages 6.8 points on 41% from the field and 22% from three-point range. And here he is in March, averaging 14 points per game, uh, 47% from three-point range, and 47% from the field. I think just how he's used in this offense and the kind of player that he is by nature, I think that's going to lead to some variability in his production. So even though he's on this great run in March and he deserves a lot of credit for playing the way that he has in March, including one, two, three, four, five, six of eight games in double figures, that's the kind of bench production that the Cavs need from him, certainly. So even though he deserves credit for that, we know next week he could just go the other way, right? Or like in April, he could go the other way and he could revert back to February. I hope he's right in the sense of, for the Cavs' sake, in the sense of ramping himself up, knowing how to peak at the right time. All that kind of stuff is great to say, but I guess I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with Karras because I know it can quickly go away just as as well as it can, you know, go on a hot streak like he's on right now. Absolutely. I mean, that's I think I do take away, though, the fact that the other night he said, like, you know, I'm I'm in playoff mode now, like I'm locked in, like I've kind of taken yeah. that step forward. Um, so maybe again, maybe it is just a matter of him being on a different level and him kind of taking his time to get there. Um, you know, maybe maybe in his maybe. mind. Maybe in maybe in his mind, February was like the last, you know, the last opportunity he had to kind of like, you know, I'm not going to say take it easy, but maybe slow yeah. down a little bit before kind of ramping up for the postseason. So we'll see. Maybe. Or yeah. maybe he's just in one of his hot streaks that we saw at the beginning of the season, too. You know, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like. I know a lot of these guys want to be at their best going into the postseason and they try and train their bodies and their minds that kind of way. I just think that's easier said than done. 
Oh, it is 100%. Without a doubt, it's easier said than done. I mean, that's, again, you know, unless you're like LeBron and you have it mastered to where you're making the finals eight years in a row, you know, yeah. (laughs) I think it's much easier said than done. Yeah. Um, As the Cavaliers go into the playoffs, you know, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell's injury. Um, They, I I mean, the the bottom line is they're going to need or they're going to need Donovan Darius to play better than they did the other night. Um, right. And I, I think that's very much, I, I would bet on that happening. But, you know, with Donovan's a finger, I mean, do you think that there's an oppor- a chance here that maybe Donovan doesn't play the way that he has all year down the stretch and kind of is a little bit different with this finger? It's something that he's still working through. There's no doubt about that. Um or was it? Was it Miami? Yeah, it was Miami during the trip. Um, the Cavs had just finished shoot around, and Donovan decided to take some extra shots. He decided to get in some extra work, and I talked to him a little bit about it because it was the night that he went out and he had what the heck is going on with my computer? Sorry about that. <laughs> um, it was the night that he went out and he had the the big night in Miami where he made eight threes. And I said, I saw you working extra after shoot around. Apparently you found something. <laughs> and he'd like joked. He said, well, if I found something, I would have made a few more shots in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just how he is. But it was clear watching him work out following shoot around that he was getting frustrated with his finger and he was trying to find the right touch and the right feel. Now, it's on his left hand and not his right hand, so it's not as big of a deal, but it affects him finishing around the rim with his left hand. It affects him a little bit in terms of catch and shoot because he just doesn't have a feel for his finger because it's wrapped in tape and then it's wrapped in something else as well. So I just think it's something that he's trying to work through. And at the same time, I think he's trying to prevent himself from making too many changes as a result of not feeling as normal as he would like to. Um, But I do think it's something that is just going to be there. That wrap is going to be on his finger, maybe until the playoffs or through the playoffs. Because the way that I understood it from the very beginning when it happened, and it happened at the beginning of March, uh, he was sold about seven weeks. And um, if you do seven weeks from early March, that's (laughs) close to May. That's the first round playoff series and maybe a little bit more than that. And that doesn't mean that he can't be effective with it because we have seen him play well. We have Mm -hmm. seen him have some of those monster games. It's just not as comfortable as he would like it to be, you know, and he's still trying to get the right feel for it and how to navigate through that sort of thing. But I don't think it's going to cause him to miss a whole bunch of games down the stretch. Um, Maybe some here or there where the Cavs want to give him some rest nights and things like that. Um, It's just something that he has to work through. Now, now it is on his left hand, correct? It's on his left hand. It's his left middle finger. Yeah, so, I mean, it it seems to make it a little bit less... Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. I mean, again, the way that it affects him the most, he told me, was finishing around the rim with his left hand and then catching shoots, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And sometimes dribbling as well. And 
you know, you saw the other night against Philadelphia at the end of the game, Hayden, he got smacked on the hand twice. Mm-hmm. So each time he takes a hit to that same finger, I don't know that he believes that more damage can be done, but there's going to be some stinging pain involved with that as well. So this is a guy who takes a lot of contact. This is a guy who sees a lot of physicality from defenders. This is a guy who likes to use his hands to swipe at balls on the defensive end and, you know, play with that kind of tenacity that we've seen on the defensive end throughout the course of this year, something that was missing in Utah, all that kind of stuff. He's more in danger of feeling a little bit more pain when those kinds of things happen, especially at the end of the game against Philadelphia. Right. He even went up. I think it was, I think he went to his left for a layup and he laid it up with his right. I think he made yeah. it. But, you know, it's one of those things where it just doesn't look as natural for him. And there was a there was a dunk attempt that he had. I think it was against Charlotte or maybe Miami. There was a breakaway opportunity and he didn't do the violent, ferocious two handed dunk um, in transition or anything like that. It was kind of like more of a soft dunk. Because it was with his left hand, and I think he's just cognizant of that. He has to be. Well, that's okay. Two points counts the same when you dunk the basketball. So I don't care if it's, you know, you can't really care if it's hard or soft or whatever or in between. Um, Is there anything, Chris, that you you wanted to talk about? Again, we're kind of just, you know, like I said, we've talked a lot about the schedule, and and that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, next week we'll probably do a playoff preview um, because, you know, they're going to be right at that point. So. Again, it's, you know, like we said, the schedule down the stretch is, is favorable. You know, they need production from the bench. Donovan Mitchell, you know, we'll see what happens with that injury. Any update on Jared Allen's injury, by the way? No, nothing. It's an eye, so it's not like there's a specific timeline. There are a lot of yeah. variables involved in that. And I think also, like, part of that is, and, and Jared told me this the other night, that he's being fitted for goggles just in case. Oh, that's going to be awesome. You know, if he wears them. Darius Garland had to try those as well, and he refused to wear them. He didn't like the feel. He didn't like the comfort of them. And I think because of that, he wasn't able to get back onto the court, Um, you know, maybe with a little bit more pace than people wanted. So there are just so many different variables when you're talking about an eye and somebody's vision and light sensitivity, if that comes into play and um, it's not like there's a whole bunch of treatment for an eye injury either, especially when it's a contusion. You know what I mean? So I just I, I think it's hard to say, well, Jared's going to be back for this trip coming up to Brooklyn. I don't know. I don't know that. Um, yeah. I saw his eye the other night and it looked better than I expected it to look, um, given how tough of a hit it was. In fact, I even told him that I said. I thought your eye was going to be swollen shut. I thought there was a bunch of different things that could have gone wrong for you to just walk away with a bruise below your eyelid and, you know, a bloodshot eye. Like you look a lot better than I thought you were going to. And he was like, same with me. So um, I think there's hope on that front. There's no structural damage that helps as well. Just, I just, it's a tough injury. Um, to try and determine when somebody is going to be able to return. The other thing that I wanted to get into, though, too, Hayden, Mm -hmm. the eighth spot in this rotation is going to remain fluid. Mm -hmm. One of the most prevalent questions that I get is, why doesn't X player get more minutes? 
why did X player only play this many minutes in the first half and not play in the second half? I'm just going to say the eighth player in this rotation is either Jetty Osman, Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, Danny Green, Howell Neto. Those kinds of guys, right? That caliber player. That caliber player doesn't get consistent minutes on a nightly basis, right? That caliber player is going to be getting 30 minutes one night, 30 minutes another night, and then maybe what what is best for the team is him not getting as many minutes the third night. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if Jetty Osman was more consistent with his production and his effort on the defensive end of the floor and his shooting and all that kind of stuff, then he would get consistent minutes. Right. But he's not the kind of player that is going to give you a whole bunch of consistency where J.B. Bickerstaff knows exactly what he's going to get from that guy on a nightly basis. And the same thing about Lamar Stevens and the same thing about Dean Wade and the same thing about Danny Green and Howell Neto and those other guys. It's just going to continue to fluctuate that kind of way. It seems not only that it's going to fluctuate, it's also going to fluctuate based on the matchup, you know, based on... Without a doubt. You know, yeah. Like, sometimes JB's going to need offense from that Mm -hmm. eighth guy. Sometimes he's going to need size from that eighth guy. Sometimes he's going to need ball handling from that eighth guy. Sometimes he's going to need defense from that eighth guy. If there was somebody, if, if one of those guys that we're talking about brought everything to the table, then they would be a fixture of this rotation. You know what I'm saying? Or he probably wouldn't be the eighth guy. (laughs) Or he probably wouldn't be the eighth guy. That's exactly right. But as long as these guys are going to be who they are, and there's going to be a level of inconsistency to what they bring to the table, their minutes are going to fluctuate, and it's going to be based on a whole bunch of factors. So some nights it's going to be Jetty Osman, And his role is to find a way to impact the game in that particular matchup on that particular night. Some nights it's going to be Dean Wade, and then it's going to be up to him to have the same kind of impact. Some nights it's going to be Lamar Stevens. It's just the way that it's going to be. Makes complete sense, honestly. So I I see it, you know, I like, like you said, it depends on what they need night, night in, night out basis. So that answer to your question you know, why doesn't this guy get more minutes? I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. Right. You know, and it's a, and it's a reality that, that all these guys are going to have to accept, you know, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, not everybody is Donovan Mitchell. Not everybody is Jared Allen. Not everybody is Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, Right. where they know exactly how many touches they're going to get, how many shots they're going to get, when they're going to play, when they're going to come into games, when they're going to come out of games, all of that kind of stuff. Like, they have earned that. Yeah. These other guys, if they were a little bit more consistent in terms of their production, if they were a little more consistent in terms of their impact on a nightly basis, yeah, then we'd be having a different conversation. Right. But, yeah, like... Correct. Dean Wade is shooting 12% from the field, I think. Yeah. Since Kevin Love got bought out. Yeah. How's JB supposed to keep playing him? 
Yeah. Yeah. Was was he going to say, it's fine. Like, you know, Lamar, just have a seat on the bench. Jetty, have a seat on the bench. We're going to keep rolling with Dean Wade. Kind of makes you wish and wonder, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. You're right. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's just like, it's tough. It's tough, you know. I mean, it wasn't going to be a situation. It was going to be a situation where Kevin wasn't going to play, and Dean was supposed to play, and you know, kind of take over those minutes. But now, you know, Dean's not playing well. So that could change, though, going into the postseason. I mean, I think they're going to need, like you said, I think they're going to need all of these guys. They're going to need all of saying. these role players, hundred percent. Right. You know, they're going to need a night from Dean Wade. They're going to need a night from Danny Green. They're yep. going to need a night from Karras, from Shetty, from you know, whoever. I mean, it's just it, it's one of those things. So. I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, where they end up and uh, and what uh, goes on from there. Um, I do want to have I do want to kind of post a schedule update. So I am going to. So by Friday, uh, this today's the 17th, we'll probably get another podcast in. I'm leaving for London on the 25th and I won't be back until April 5th. So London. Yeah, I'm going to London. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, my family, uh, for my 30th birthday, they gifted me a trip to London. My brother's over there, so um, it was it kind of worked out perfectly before the postseason started. Um, so we the, the point being, the point, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I won't be, like, there will be probably, um, it's 10 days, so I'm trying to see how many games that I'll be out of town for. That I probably won't be there. To be honest, I probably won't be paying that much attention to <laughs> uh, to basketball. So the the Rockets, Atlanta, so that game against New York, I won't be in town for. And then Indiana and Orlando. So yeah. so next week we'll probably have to do a playoff preview because you know I won't be back till April sixth. Okay. And by then they'll probably be locked in, right? Yeah, I would think. At least, like, we would have a better idea at the very right. least. Right. And then that's also opening day, opening weekend for the Guardians, the 7th, 8th, and 9th. So mm. busy, busy, busy time when they get back. But that's kind of why I picked it. Um, you know, the last little bit of NBA regular season before the playoffs and then the start of the Guardian season. So, yeah, just a programming note for you folks out there to let you know what uh, what's on the horizon. But in the meantime, Chris has a nice little trip, like I said. When do you leave uh, for New York? I'll leave Monday. Okay, so you right. got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, that's uh, nice. It's gonna be a great time. I'm taking in a Broadway show as well. Oh, what are you gonna go see? We're gonna go see Anne Juliet. Okay, haven't heard of have that. Have you one. heard of that? I have not. No. So apparently, the premise of it is, what would happen to Juliet if, if she, she didn't alive. die? <laughs> okay, I like that. Right. Like, That's how cool. would her life have gone on yeah. without Romeo? Got it. Got yeah. it, got it, got it. Well, that's awesome. And then you'll go get your pizza. What is it, oh, the one you like? To, is it with Defara? Is that it? No, I'm a Grimaldi's guy. A lot oh, of people Grimaldi's. do like Defara's or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, I'm Grimaldi's in Dumbo, in the Dumbo area. It's right over the Brooklyn Bridge. Awesome. Awesome. Well, have a great time out there. How was Miami Thanks. and Charlotte? Oh, it was amazing. Well, Miami was amazing. Charlotte was like a high of low 40s basically every single day. Yeah, it wasn't great. And it's funny because I was talking to um, Ashley, the sideline reporter for the Hornets, and she was telling me the week before we got to Charlotte, it was basically in the 70s every single day. 
Wow. Must but be we get there coming off a Miami trip with all this sunshine and time at the beach and time at the pool and hanging out at my hotel, which was a great hotel and Brickle. Um, oh, yeah. And then we land in, in Charlotte and it's 30 to 40 degrees basically every single day. <laughs> and I'm wearing a winter hat and I'm wearing a jacket and it was raining the first night. It just wasn't great in Charlotte, but Miami was awesome. Well, that will be the case when you're in Brooklyn. I, I have no doubt. I don't think it'll be in the 70s yet over in New York. But, man, New York, we, we both love New York. New York's a great town, so go have yeah. fun. All right. Um, in the meantime, like I said, we'll probably be back with you next week before I head to London, and then we will uh, see from there. But until then, Cavaliers will take on the Nets twice as in addition to the Washington Wizards tonight. And then, I'll, like I said, I'll be out of town starting with that game against the Rockets at 6 p.m. on Sunday, March 26th. So yes, appreciate you guys joining us. Um, we will talk soon. Chris, enjoy the trip to New York. Safe travels. Have some Grimaldi's pizza for me. <laughs> uh, pre, you know, always like a good New York slice. So Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go check out Cleveland.com slash Cavs for all of great Chris's great content. Also, check out the uh, Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Um, insight and analysis news sent straight to your phone before anywhere else. Go check it out. Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, Cleveland.com slash Cavs. Um, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and it's pretty easy from there. In the meantime, like I said, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great St. Patty's Day, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care.